So my name is Spencer Breedlove, and uh, it is a pleasure to be here with you today and this weekend. I'm excited about what God's doing in your life. I know that uh, in talking with Trent, uh, there has been a lot of prayer going into what you guys are going to experience and what you've already experienced this far uh, with this Disciple Now weekend. And as we dive into God's Word uh, tonight, I know that God is going to continue to do an incredible work in your life. So before we do that, though, let me just tell you a little bit about who I am, uh, what I get to do for, uh, for a living. Um, I have been in ministry for a little over 30 years now, and so for the last eight and a half, I've been on staff with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Anybody ever heard of FCA? Yeah? So I know that um, at Oglethorpe High School, um, there are, uh, there's some new ministry happening with FCA, and so if you're not involved with FCA, I want to encourage you, to, you guys to get plugged in uh, with your FCA huddle uh, there on campus. You may have some off-campus type stuff that you get to do uh, with FCA. Certainly in, encourage you to do that because if you are an athlete, and you have a relationship with Jesus, what we do is we take sport and Jesus, put them together, and you've got FCA ministry right there. And you have an opportunity to leverage your influence to advance the kingdom just through your avenue and your lane of sport. Now, it doesn't just, it's not just limited to sport, okay? Uh, but your influence as an athlete uh, is tremendous. And so I certainly encourage you guys, if you if you're not involved, man, get plugged in uh, with uh, an FCA ministry or uh, another ministry, for that matter, to be able to advance the kingdom, all right, uh, on your campus. So that's what I get to do. I get to work with coaches. I get to work with athletes. I get to work with staff, uh, with our FCA. Uh, we've got a ton of staff all over the state of Georgia, and uh, it's, uh, it's definitely an honor to be able to, uh, to, be able to do that. I am married, been married for 27 years to my lovely wife, Lisa. She's a school teacher at Westminster Christian Academy. She teaches third grade. Uh, she's also a soccer coach, and I get to be her assistant soccer coach. Uh, so she gets to tell me what to do. Um, so it's a, it's a joy that we have being able to coach together, being able to uh, coach young ladies, uh, middle school girls, soccer team. Um, anybody play soccer? Any soccer players? Yeah? Any... Uh, Let's see, what grade are you in? Eight. You're in eighth grade. So I think, are you playing for Oakthorpe Middle School, County Middle School? Yeah. yeah. So I think we play all. Got my eyes on you, okay? So looking forward to a great season uh, there. Um, I have three kids. Lisa and I have three kids. Uh, Tyler is our oldest. He's 24. Jared uh, is our middle son. He's right back here. So... That's our 20-year-old. So he's going to be one of your group leaders uh, here this weekend. And then we have uh, one who was made in China. Uh, her name is Elizabeth, and she literally was born in China. And we adopted her when she was 10 and a half months old. She is now 16, plays basketball at Westminster. Uh, and, uh, and so now Jared's out of the house, Tyler's out of the house, and it's me and two girls. All right? So it's just quiet around the house now. The two boys are out, and uh, I, I have two girls that I love and get to do life with. 
uh, on, a, on a continual basis. So that's a little bit about me, a little bit about my family. Um, oh, and one more thing. I forgot our newest family member is uh, Jazzy. Jazzy is a golden doodle, and I'll give you uh, three guesses, and the first two don't count as far as where Jazzy came from. If you know the Bartlett's, which you do, you, at least you should, because one of them, you know, is the pastor. Okay, so anyway, we have a golden doodle, eight-month-old Jasmine, and uh, she uh, will be on uh, the screen tomorrow. I'll show you a crazy, crazy picture of her. So, because she's crazy, all right? So, that's a little bit about us. Glad to be here. So, on the count of three, I want you all to yell your name really, really loud so that I can know who you are, okay? Everybody ready? One, two, three. Man, it's so good to meet you. All right. Appreciate you being here. And my prayer for you is that this is an incredible opportunity in your life where God just does an amazing work in you, okay? So, let's jump in. Mistakes. We've all made them. We've all made mistakes. And typically, the bigger the mistake the greater the cost. Let me unpack that for just a second. When I was in elementary school, my family lived in an apartment complex, and we kind of lived up on the hill in this apartment complex. It was a golf course community, had golf courses, had lakes. It was a pretty cool place to to live as a kid. Our our elementary school was kind of right down the road. I could ride my bike to school, didn't really have to ride the bus. It was just a really, really cool place to live. Well, on one particular day, I'm out and about in the apartment neighborhood, and I decided there was a rock in, in the, in the, just laying in the, the street. Now, we had this big parking lot. It was kind of in the shape of a square. And as I saw this rock, I'm like, I wonder how far I could throw that rock. I did say we were in a parking lot. So I was like, I wonder how far I could throw that rock. So I picked the rock up, and I hurled it. And as soon as I threw it, I knew exactly where that rock was going. And I just saw it. It was like slow motion. That rock just went smash right into the back window of somebody's car. What do you think I did? Ran. Ran. Exactly. I Ran. I ran home. I grabbed my fishing pole and my tackle box and I ran to the lake. All right. Because I'm thinking I can hide. Nobody will catch me. So I was at the lake. I was fishing and I was trying to hide. Didn't catch a darn fish. All right. I was feeling totally guilty. I was afraid and I knew something. I knew I was going to get in trouble. I just knew it. And so I was like, okay, it's time to go back. Maybe the coast is clear. So I start walking back. I've got my tackle box in hand. I've got my fishing pole in the other because it looks like I've been gone fishing. I haven't been around. I haven't picked up any rocks. I haven't thrown anything. I haven't busted any windows. So I'm creating this image that I am not guilty, right? I'm not guilty. So as I'm making my way back up into the apartment complex, I see all of these people around this car, one of which is my dad, and he has a broom. And he's sweeping up glass, caused by my my stupidity. He's sweeping up glass. They're talking, trying to figure out what's going on. I come walking up, and my dad asked me the one question. What do you think it was? 
You know anything about this? I wanted to lie, but I'm a terrible liar. I'm a terrible, I cannot lie. I, if I lied, people would know, all right? So I was like, yes, I did it. So I'm all upset, and my dad says, all right, so here's what we got to do. So they began to work out the arrangements of what my payment was going to be to fix this, winch, this back window. And as I began to listen, here's what wound up happening. My payment for that was to take out their trash for a week. Not bad. My dad probably paid the, he paid the, for the window to be fixed, probably about a hundred bucks, right? At that time, that was a long time ago. So probably a hundred dollars. And my payment was to only carry out the trash for my neighbor's just right, right across from us, okay? That was my payment. Now, two years ago, there's a boat that's setting sail out of Brunswick, Georgia. It's heading out into the Atlantic. And as it is heading out of the harbor there in Brunswick, Georgia, right off the coast of St. Simons Island, I don't know if you've ever been to St. Simons, but if you've ever been to St. Simons Island, there is this canal where these big ships will travel in and out of the harbor there to come into port. Well, this particular ship called the Golden Ray was a seven-story, massive, floating parking garage. This thing would hold over 7,000 vehicles. And it was, a, it was a ship that would go around the world or be transatlantic, and it would be delivering thousands upon thousands of vehicles. That was its main purpose. There was only like 35, 36 people that, that were on the ship itself. That, so there's not a whole lot of people on this ship. Well, as they are going out to sea, the boat begins to turn and it begins to capsize and it begins to turn over. And before they knew it, that ship had capsized and it was just right on its side. Thankfully, they were still in the harbor, and there were some tugboats and some other, thing, other, other uh, personnel that were around that could come and give help. And so basically, the tugboats pushed this boat onto the sandbar so that it would not sink and create a backlog okay, of other ships trying to get in and out of port. So they moved this boat all the way over. Now, here's the thing. The National Transportation and Safety Board determined that the probable cause of capsizing of the Golden Ray was the chief officer's error entering in the ballast quantities into the, sta into the stability calculation program, which led to its incorrect determination of the vessel's stability. Let me put that into layman's terms, all right? So in other words... It was the failure on the captain's part to properly calculate the weight of the ship so that the center of gravity would not be too high. So basically, this ship was floating, but it was floating way too high. And as they were making their way through the turns in the canal, that ship began to come out. It began to skid out, basically. The propeller came out. Everything was exposed, and the ship just turned over. The cost... The cost to recover, to salvage all of that, all right, 
at this point, there's over 4,200 vehicles on this ship heading for the Middle East. So at this point, all right, at this point right now, the costs are now in excess to salvage this wreckage over $840 million. And it's continuing to climb. They're calling it the costliest maritime salvage operation in history. All right? This thing is massive. And it is costing nearly a billion dollars. My mistake, small cost. This mistake, big, big cost. Now, imagine that company forgiving that captain for making his mistake, not firing him, actually giving him a raise, and not charging him to pay back the $842 million that he's responsible for. Imagine that. Because that is exactly the point of the story that we're diving into this week. Because what that describes is God's grace. That describes grace. And that's the point of the story that we are going to get into tonight, tomorrow morning, and tomorrow night. So in Luke chapter 15, if you have your copy of God's word, if you have your phone, if you have another device, if you want to use the Bible that is in uh, the pew rack there, um, that will be on page 740 in that particular Bible. It's a little black Bible that you see. It'll be on page 740 is where we're going to be. But Luke chapter 15, we read about a kid who made some significant mistakes. We read about a kid who made some significant mistakes. Now, if you grew up in church, you've probably heard about the prodigal son. Okay? If this is the first time you've been in church, okay, you may have heard about this story. This may be your first time hearing about it. And here's the thing, is that Jesus used stories to communicate truth. Truth about grace, truth about forgiveness, and he communicated words and messages to point people to God the Father. Jesus was and he still is the master storyteller. And as we unpack this particular story, we're going to discover a massive truth that Jesus drops on us about the heart of God and his desire for you. So in Luke chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 11. We're going to read it, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about it. But in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11, you follow along with me as I read verse 11 through 20. And I believe it might be up here on the screen too. So if you don't have a copy, it'll be up here, okay? But I encourage you to read your copy of God's word, all right? Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. And he said, Jesus that is, so this is Jesus. He's launching into the story and he says, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And the father divided his property between his two sons. 
Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, there was a severe famine that arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens in that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, other, other Bibles, other translations will say, when he came to his senses, okay, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while the father, that is, was still a, while the son was still a long way off, the father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to his father, he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. I know I went a little bit further, but I think that was important for us to read. Three characters. The father, the younger son, and the older brother. The younger son was that runaway. He was that runaway. He runs off. He, 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 he takes on what his father gives him, and he leaves. And then he squanders it. He, he loses everything. And he gets to a point where he is completely broken. He gets to a point where he looks back at what he had at home. And he realized that even the hired servants that belonged to his father or worked for his father, they had what he didn't. They had what he didn't. And when he comes to his senses, he realizes it's better for me to be back home. It's better for me to be back home. And this is how I'm going to do it. This is, this is the plan that I'm going to execute. This is how I'm going to go back home. I'm going to tell, I'm going to go back. I'm going to tell my father, man, I screwed up. This is what I did. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired servants and I'll work for you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the thing is this, is that the son misunderstands the father's heart. As a dad, speaking from my own experience, I've been a dad for 24 years. And in those 24 years, I've had ups and downs. But I will tell you this, in the arguments, sometimes it, it got rough in the house where I got mad. 
or my kids got mad. And Jerry can tell you there's whole, there are holes in the walls that either he's put there or Tyler's put there or I've put there where I'm just saying, look, it's real, y'all, okay? Listen, nobody in this room can tell me that you have not had an argument with your parents that have made you so mad, okay, that you just didn't want to punch something, all right? You guys know especially what it's like to be moved to a place of anger and frustration because of what your parents have decided. But let me, on the other side of that, as a dad, all right, our kids can tick us off to a point that sometimes we do things that where we screw up, all right? We may say things as parents that are hurtful. We may say things as parents that wound. We don't mean to. It's not, it's, it's just, it's, it's because we're broken. It's because that, because of sin in our life, as parents, as a dad, we're going to screw up. We're going to mess up. As kids, as children, you're going to mess up. And when you have conflict in the home, it's going to happen. It's unavoidable. Conflict is going to happen. And there was some serious conflict going on here. This younger son totally dissed his daddy. All right? Totally dissed the family. And he's right. He's no longer worthy to be called a son. He's right. He, he blew it. All right? But the problem with this younger son is that he misunderstood the father's heart. Because here's the thing about parents. All right? Here's the thing about parents and our love for our children. There's not one thing that you guys can do that would ever make me, this is what I would tell my kids, there's not one thing you guys would do that would ever make me stop loving you. Nothing. Nothing. You could do the worst act. I would never hate you. I would always love you. And there will always be a place for you here in our home. And we've had to make some tough decisions. We've had to, we've had to, We've wept, we've cried, we've reconciled, we've messed up again, we've wept, we've cried, all of those things. But there's not one thing that our kids would ever be able to do that would ever make me or Lisa stop loving our kids. This guy didn't realize and understand the heart of his father. You see, he saw his father's rules as something that was meant to control him and to keep him from experiencing freedom. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about when, you know, there are things that you wish that your parents would let you do, all right? But maybe they have a particular reason that you may not really technically agree with, but yet your parents have that responsibility and that stewardship over your life to guide, to lead, to guard, protect. I'm not talking about helicopter parents or lawnmower parents. I'm not talking about them, okay? I'm talking about just in general, parents have that responsibility to provide leadership in your life, to set boundaries, to put those boundaries in place. 
for your protection. And they do that because they love you. All right? And those boundaries are important. Well, this guy saw those boundaries as they were meant to be broken. And some of you, y'all, that may be you. You may be like, you know what? I don't care about them boundaries. I'm going to break them. All right? That may be you. You may totally relate to where this guy is. But he misunderstood the father's heart. And then when he decides, when he comes to his senses and he decides that, hey, it's time for me to go home. Because even the hired servants have more than enough than what I have at this point. And he assumes that he's got to earn his way back into his father's favor. He's got to just let me work for you. That's what he wanted to do. He said, well, just let me work. Let me come back as one of your hired servants. Don't call me a son. Just call me a servant. So he assumes that he's got to earn his way back into his father's favor. But here's the thing. Just like the younger son, we too can misunderstand God's love for us because we see his rules as a way to hold us back. And then when we screw up, we feel like we've got to earn our way back into his favor. But here's the thing. What we see in this picture, what we see the Bible, what we see Jesus communicate here, what we see him communicate is this. That no matter the son's mistakes, the father still loves the son and welcomes him home. And just like the father's great love for the son, God loves us even more than we can imagine. And he welcomes us home. So here's the big idea. Here's the big idea that I want you to get. Is that no matter what, God's message is always Come back to me. Come back. Come back to me. Come back because that's what you are made for. Come back because you are made for more. Come back, God says, because I created you. Come back because you belong to me. Come back, God says, because I want you. Come back, God says, because I love you that's the picture that's the picture of grace is that God is saying come back stop running stop running you don't have to earn your way back yes you've messed up but guess what I'm going to call you my son I'm going to call you my daughter you're not going to be just some hired servant no when you come back I'm going to make you a son. When you come back, I'm going to make you a daughter. When you come back, I'm going to give you the grace, the hope, the faith, the peace, everything that you need. I'm going to give it to you because you can't earn it. You can't work hard enough to earn my favor because what I require is perfection. God, that's, that's what God requires. God requires perfection. But none of us in this room are perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Your mom and daddy aren't perfect. Your grandmom and granddaddy aren't perfect. Your pastor's not perfect. Your youth pastor's not perfect. Ain't nobody in this room perfect. But that's exactly what God requires for you to have a relationship with him. But there was only one man who was perfect, and his name's Jesus, okay? 
And because of his perfection, and because of what he did on the cross, not just for our sin, I'm going to unpack that tomorrow night, okay? Because Jesus died for more than just being a penalty. Jesus died so you would have life. Jesus died so that bad people would not become good, okay? Jesus died so that dead people will live. That's why Jesus died. He died so that dead men would live. He died so that you could have life and have it to the fullest. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is pointing to God and saying, he is your father. He is more than what you think he is. He's more than some cosmic Santa Claus. He's more than some dude that's way up here, higher power. No, that ain't who God is, man. God is your father. He created you. He loves you. He desires to know you. He desires for you to know him. And he wants you to experience life that only can come from him. There is no other life that you can experience in this world that God can offer okay, to you. There's no life that this world will offer that God offers. What God offers is God offers more. God offers grace. God offers hope. And God is extending the message to you. Come back to me. Come back. Come back to me. So, what is your next step? What is your main to do? What do you do with what you've just heard? Okay? What do you do with what you've just heard? You've just been introduced to God as your father. What do you do now? What do you do now? It's a great question. Simple answer. Come back. Stop running. Stop running. Come back. Why? Why come back? Why should I, Spencer, come back to God? You may be asking. God has let me down. He's taken people that I've loved and they are no longer here. I'm filled with worry and I'm fretting in my life. I have anxiety. I have depression. I have all of this stuff and I am overwhelmed with life. Why in the world should I come back to God? Because I feel like God is totally distant. I feel like he's let me down and I want nothing to do with him. And you're saying this is all your fault, God. This is all your fault for the mess that I'm in. No, it's not his fault for the mess that you're in. And we've got to come to a point where we come to our senses and we come to the realization that what God has for us is way more than what this world offers. And God is saying, come back. Come back. So why come back? God loves you. That's why. God loves you. Come back. Because, and, here, and we're going to really get into this tomorrow. Because God no longer counts your sin against you. What? Are you, think about 
Think about your sin. Think about where you are, what you've experienced in this life. Think about those mistakes. Scripture says that God no longer counts your sin against you. Freedom! Hello! Total freedom. Come back to God so you can be free. All right? If you don't come back, then you're still living in, you're still experiencing sin. You're still living with this condemnation of sin in your life. Man, God says, I'm going to set you free from that. Come back to God because God doesn't want you to die. Okay? He doesn't want you to die. He wants you to experience eternal life. God desires for no one to perish, but for all to come to eternal life. That's scripture. That's what he wants for you. Come back to God because God wants you to be with him. Listen, we're going to close with this. You guys in the band, you guys can go ahead and come on back up. I think we're going to close with a final closing song. But here's the thing. You may be in control of your life right now. You may be in control of your life. And you think that everything is going well in your life right now. But I'm going to tell you real quick. That is a dead end road. It's a dead end road. You may want to be in control of your life, but that's a dead end road. It leads to nowhere. It leads to brokenness. It leads to pain. It leads to sorrow unnecessarily. Because there's still sorrow that we're going to experience in this life. There's still pain we're going to experience in this life. Don't create it for yourself. You may want to be in control of your life, but that is a dead-end road. So, surrender your life and come back to God because He always welcomes you home. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your, the fact that you set us free and you no longer count our sins against us. And God, you have set tonight, you have set tonight apart in the lives of these students and these adults in this room and you're doing a work right now you're calling them to come back you're calling them to come back you're calling them to experience your love to know you personally you're calling them to experience freedom abundant life you're calling them to experience grace hope, faith, true love. You're calling them to come back. 
into the most precious, the most beautiful relationship that we could ever have. And that's with you. Some students here may have just grown up in church. Just kind of been playing a game. Man, God wants you to stop playing the game. God wants you to get real with your walk with Him. He wants you to come back. For some of you tonight, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And God is saying, come back. So as we stand in worship, y'all go ahead and stand with me. There's a song that we're going to sing right now called Run to the Father. We are singing that, right? Yes. Singing Run to the Father. What a beautiful song to wrap up this message and to begin this night. Because that's exactly what God is calling you to do, is run back to Him. It's what he's calling you to do. And in your small groups, when you get to your host homes, here's my challenge. If you made a decision tonight to turn and run back to the Father, I want you to share that. I want you to be bold in your communication and in your conversations tonight and share what God is doing and has done and the decision that you made to return to the Father. So let's run to the Father as we sing. Run to the Father. Amen.